Welcome to another episode of the Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Paul Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and also a best-selling author. And every single day, I help others unlock the potentials and guide them to succeed. Today, I have another amazing individual. This person is part of a, an amazing networking community that I'm a part of, and she's one of the peer leaders in that group. Uh, she is so down to earth. She has so much value, so much impact to give to others, and it's just an absolute joy to talk to her, so I couldn't wait to have her on my show. Uh, she has a passion for working with people, for people. Uh, she has this great knack of transforming a company's employment, culture, and also their engagement as well. She is a human resources specialist. She is the founder and consultant of Involve HR. So please welcome Ms. Ashley McCarty. Thank you, Fong. What an introduction. That was very kind of you. <laughs> well, thank you for being here and thank you for what you're going to be sharing. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a delight. I've been dying to be on your show. So thanks for having me. Hey, awesome. So tell us, what was your journey? How did you become this amazing HR person? Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I, I fell into HR, right? I, out of university or out of high school, I guess, I went into business because I didn't know really what I wanted to do and learned that numbers and accounting was not for me very quickly um, and kind of found a passion for people and found a passion for the more qualitative aspects of the business as opposed to the quantitative, um, at least at the core of what I do. Um, and from there, it was just kind of understanding what niche did I want to work in. And so through a lot of internal roles, uh, the first one being a very um, kind of notable retail brand of Ikea, um, you know, I, I started my HR journey there and kind of grew through different positions and in different industries. And I always found this gap that I that I came across and it it was related to the impact that HR can have at an organization, because essentially we are one of those functions that need to influence via leadership as opposed to having authority, right? And so we need to influence the leaders and kind of make culture and engagement and hiring decisions and all of this without any actual kind of decision-making authority. And so um, I really wanted to help small and medium business find their way with their people and find how much people items can affect their ROI, affect their bottom line, affect their time and their management and the functioning of their business. So I started Involvi to really work with small and medium business, and that's what we're doing. Awesome. Now, when it comes to HR, yeah, what would you say is is the biggest myths? Oh Where gosh. So HR, ah, oh, that's this, or oh, that's that. We don't have to worry about it. So, what is that thing that people kind of have a uh, an image of HR that's completely off base? I think there's a few of them, and I I'm glad you brought it up coincidentally, because Involvi wants to bust all those myths in the work we do for our clients. So I think number one is all HR does is hire, fire, and they're the policy police, and that they're essentially an administrative function. Um, and so, you know, number one, you need to have policies and procedures. I think it's an understated guideline that all employers should have some sort of those. Um, but there's so much more to HR than hire, fire, and policy police. And when you leverage an HR strategist or an HR individual within your organization or a consultant, um, they can help show you how that strategic plan and how the growth of the business, whether you're downsizing or growing or growing laterally or adding different divisions or just succession planning. Um, when you think about all the aspects that your people touch in your business, you need HR at the table. Um, and so I think once we transform that thought and once we start offering different things to clients that go, oh, OK, yeah, no, I didn't realize you could lean in there. I didn't realize you could lean in there, that it kind of with every interaction is busting those myths. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, 
when it comes to people, we understand that people is usually the most important asset of a company. Yeah. We, we hear it from the CEOs. We hear it from the management. We all hear and go, you know what? We can't exist without the people. And therefore, we cherish and we appreciate the people. However, once things turn around and the bottom dollar is, is or bottom line is there, the first people to go is the people. Mm-hmm. So or how do you managing the people? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes like you see the HR department might be the first to go or the uh, what do you call it? The marketing and the branding departments, those are the first to go. So yep. how do you navigate through that? And how do you convince a organization that you know what? No, this is the people are important. How do we work around the other aspect so that we can save the people? And, you know, and I think there's a lot of ways. And I think the best example is that at the beginning of the pandemic, right? It's something we've all lived. So it's an easily, you know, um, identified item for an example. But, you know, a lot of organizations just shut down and some industries needed to, some industries didn't. They could work from home, work remotely, get creative. Um, But when you think about who needs to go first, HR, IT, marketing, you said it, they're cost centers to an organization. They don't bring in revenue or profit. Um, And so creating that value is really important and helping them understand that if you lose one employee, that the intangible costs that you are going to experience on your P&L are extreme. Like it can cost you between six and $60,000 to replace one individual, but they're never going to get an invoice for that. So helping share that cost and helping understand and provide clarity as to how many things are impacted by losing a person is the first step. Um, and then I would probably say that when you when you go back to that pandemic example and you look at all the companies that had to pivot, if you weren't one that had to shut down, you were given an opportunity to be creative. And I think it's those organizations that took that opportunity, that pivoted, that leveraged it, and really thought about things from a different lens are the ones that are more successful today. And so when it comes to job sharing, when it comes to work from home arrangements, when it comes to, okay, Fong, you're this role today, but now cleaning and sanitization is really important. So in order to, you know, while the business might have slowed down, are you okay taking partially of a cleaning role to keep your hours up and keep feeding your family, right? So it's those conversations and how you could be creative within the guidelines um, is, is another really key area where HR can lean in. And also like with your, with your services, now you're able to give a cost-effective service for some companies who may have to cut down on certain departments and you're, you're basically a plug and play and you can fulfill all their resources and all that kind of stuff. A hundred percent. I mean, I think in, you know, organizations, 75 employees or more, I think the, the, the recommendation is to have an in-house HR individual at whatever level that you need. Um, but even at that level, we are being fractional HR support for organizations of that size, just because they've grown organically and now said, oh, we have 120 or 100, we need HR. Um, but the nice thing about an outsourced HR is, while you may be using us for two hours a month on our HR hotline up to five days a week, if you need it, you're not only getting your one consultant on your file, you're getting a team of seven, soon to be nine brains to then advise on your file through your consultant. So there's a lot of different advantages that you can get at different levels of expertise um, rather than an in-house person that might be at three to five years experience or whatever the case may be. Hmm. Now, are there any roles that the HR person takes care of that people are shocked to hear? Oh boy. (laughs) Hmm. I mean, I think the fundamental ones are the the recruiting and the policy and that um, 
the compensation and benefits and training and, you know, all of the other ones that come with that, including employee relations. Um, I would say that, you know, surprisingly, they can lean in on the strategy conversations. I've had a lot of discussions at the boardroom table lately of, well, HR can help with that, that, and that. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, great. Um, when it comes to disaster recovery programs, when it comes to business continuity plans, when it comes a little bit to health and safety and OHS, um, there's a lot of HR professionals, including our team, that have cross functional knowledge and expertise in those areas. And so it, it does become an added value for sure. Um, but, you know, at any organization, if you've got the ability to rotate your leaders through different functions, rotate them through HR if you're large enough. Because uh, those skills never go away. We're not built to be people leaders. We're not born to be HR professionals or engineers or anything else, right? Um, it's a learned skill. And those people that develop the skills have a lot to offer. Well, yeah. one of the roles that you also take care of is you kind of become that, 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 that ear, the person that people talk to who confides yeah. in. Uh, cool. You keep it confidential and all that kind of stuff. So all of a sudden you become this, is it psychiatrist? Psychologist, yeah. Psychologist in the, in the yeah. company. So how would you, is that something that you've worked on with regards to your communication skills or your listening skills? What was the process of, of going through that so that you're able to help people out when it comes to very tough situations? Yeah, I think, you know, for myself and my journey to be where I'm at now, I think it's a, I think it's a combination of a few things you said, but I think the first thing is a lot of self-awareness, Right. Once we um, get through the stage and most people go through it where money and title are your motivators, right? You start to realize that what you're doing every day and what's taking you away from your family um, needs to give you joy. Uh, and so as you have that self-awareness and as you build a career rather than a job, I think that it allows you to reframe how you interact with people and how you kind of approach people. Um, and then with me having that lens on people and culture first, there is always a way for people to work together and make that employment relationship seamless, which is something we do. Um, and so I think it's a combination, but I think in order to be a really good employee relations manager, which is kind of what we're referring to in that ear, if you will, um, we also have to maintain that trust, right? So HR in, in a strategic role in employee relations plays that fine line between you as the employee need to feel comfortable, safe, and confidential in coming to talk to me, but then I also have to be given the leadership support to either help make change or confidentially bring things to leadership to help make change, right? If, P if you just come to me and you want to vent, you want to talk, great. But after a certain while, I'm now enabling that and I'm giving you a platform to vent and to what we call gossip, right? So it's that fine line of supporting the employees, but really being part of that leadership team to help move things forward strategically. Mm. What would yeah. you say is the... Um top three keys of becoming an amazing listener? Hmm. I think, first of all, understanding your style, um, whether you're a collaborative leader, whether you're, and your communication style, right? Um, that's number one, because understanding how you are also gives you awareness that everybody else is different. And the more you become aware of your style, the more you can adapt to the other styles because you've been aware of them. Um, secondly, I think practicing active listening, regardless of how busy we are, I think is really important because that authenticity comes through that time and attention for one individual comes through, uh, and that builds trust. Um, 
And then I would say having enough awareness of the organization, its policies, procedures, guidelines, and culture um, will also allow you to navigate, right? Because there are some people that come in and blow things out of proportion and you have to, you know, talk them down to, okay, what's really going on, um, figure out the root of the problem or what, you know, you're trying to solve. Um, and then the other thing um, that would need some explanation, but not today would be ask the, ask the employee. So what do you need from me today? Are you just here to vent? Do you want me to help solve the problem? Or, you know, how can we fix this so that you understand what they're looking for from you? Uh, I think would be another one, but there's some other pieces there that, that would be interesting to focus on. Now, one of the roles that you also mentioned before is what most people think about when it's HR and it's the hiring and firing. Yeah. I'm going to touch on the firing part. That's a part where most people don't like to do. No. It's very stressful. It's very negative. It kind of draw, it drains your energy and all kind of stuff. Yet you're, you're going to have to go through that. So how do you give bad news to somebody yet still be able to ha have them maintain hope or yeah. have that positively leaving the place without like being completely pissed off with the company? Yeah, I think that's first and foremost, if you, in, if you struggle with terminating somebody's employment, even if it's for cause and they've stolen or broken a rule or done something egregious, um, if you if it doesn't affect you emotionally or so, in some way, shape or form, then then that would be the first step. I think we're all human and it's going to affect us. So it should be you know natural to expect some sort of um, internal struggle with having that conversation. But I think, you know, number one, and it's interesting you say that again, because I've actually written an article on how to terminate with empathy, right? And I think a lot of leaders that I've encountered with that don't terminate with empathy and just say, okay, Fong, unfortunately, you're done today, go clean out your desk. Um, and sometimes it is literally that cold. Uh, that leaves a bad taste in the mouth because you are still representing the brand. You are still the, the leader of that brand. You are still the face of that culture. And regardless of what that human has done within your organization to cause the exit, whether it's on them or on the organization or just a factor of economy, you're still affecting that person's livelihood. You're, you're impacting their family. You're impacting their, their job search, their resume, even their self-esteem. And so to terminate with empathy and realize that the company will be potentially better or going in a different direction with that person no longer there and you've already solved that thing. So let's say goodbye gracefully um, within the confines of the law, of course, but you know, let, let's make sure that we're there for them and we treat them like a human and not treat them that somebody that we're already done with and we need to say goodbye. So um, I think if we approach it from a humanistic standpoint, knowing that we're delivering bad news, um, I think it will do a lot long-term because the other thing is, I would say 95% of people that I've encountered that I've either terminated or been a part of or known that has been terminated outside of my involvement, they now look back and go, yeah, it was for the best, right? You know, it's, it's funny how it happens that in the moment, it is the toughest thing. Um, and I was terminated, which I mean, was part of that reason I wrote the article because it was not a positive termination. It was pretty horrible. Um, and I knew as a human resources expert that we could do it better, that we, we can be better as leaders. Um, and I always encourage my leaders to, to have a little bit of empathy and, and resonate with that employee as you're saying goodbye. How do you personally prep yourself to A, give bad news? And what would your recommendation be for others to how do they accept bad news? Hmm. 
Um, well, I think each termination is different, right? It depends on the circumstance. It depends if you anticipate it being a very challenging, you know, uh, conversation, or if maybe the employee might be expecting it. Um, but regardless of whether you think it's challenging or not, still go in with empathy. And I think the first thing is to switch it to a business decision, right? This doesn't, if, if I'm letting you go today, Fong, it has nothing to do with Fong as a person. It has to do with Fong as a role in this company and it's not working out. Whether you were a fit or not, it's still a business decision. And so that I think is where we can lean to be a little colder and a little less empathetic. Um, but if you can turn your brain on to know that it's a business decision, that I think has helped me um, deal with the internal struggle of having to have that hard conversation. Um, and then you can kind of turn the empathy on when you're facing that person, you know, one-on-one -on -one and saying, you know, unfortunately, this is your last day. Um, but I think other things you can do is um, when, when you terminate them, I think also matters. Are you going to terminate them at 9 a.m. when the whole office is open and they have to go clean out their desk and everybody knows what's happened? Um, are you going to ask that team to maybe go out for coffee and do it, do it privately and hold that employee back? Um, or are you going to do it at 7.30 in the morning before people arrive um, or 4.30 in the afternoon or five once they've worked a full day? So I think your strategy on when to have the conversation, how to have the conversation all matters. Uh, and then the options you give them to clean out their personal effects, right? Do you get them to do it right then in front of everybody? Do you say, come back on a weekend or evening and we'll let you in and you can do it yourself? Or do you offer to do it for them and, and FedEx it to them? So I think there's a lot of different things you can look at and each decision you make, you know, will, will make it a better or worse outcome. Man, this, this is sound like a drag. <laughs> you brought up the negative. I know, I know. And plus you're using me as an example. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, that, that's easier than my husband or my son. <laughs> it's all good. I'm joking. Yeah. Um, so let's switch it to the hiring aspect. Okay. When it comes to hiring, is there, there's always this, misconception or maybe it's not a misconception that once you send in that resume you send in that cover letter and all kind of stuff uh, a company goes through this process where they find keywords and all kind of stuff so if you don't have those keywords you don't even have a chance of getting to meet anybody or talk to anybody mm. is that true I can't say that it isn't true uh, but I can say that every HR individual or hiring manager does it differently um, you know, we recommend a best practice um, and we go through that with our clients, but there is a lot of technology coming into the recruiting play. There's some AI coming in. There's even some virtual reality coming in and they're all testing different things. They're all examining different things, right? So um, a colleague of mine in Edmonton here created a company called Resume Free, and it actually connects people with jobs kind of like a dating app um, without the use of a resume. And so when you look at something like that, I can't speak to the factors behind that program, but you know, it, it may be key factors, but because you're not submitting a resume, there's no keywords to reference, right? Um, but then there's things like applicant tracking systems that companies have that do check keywords sometimes, um, but sometimes just the traditional method is post and go through the resumes. And so each recruiter does it differently. I've, um, or each HR professional even has done it differently. Um, I've seen some really good processes. I've seen some processes that I wish I could correct. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, it is, do you have the knowledge, skills, and ability to do the job? Um, and that could even be transferable skills. Mm -hmm. And I think in the job market that we're at right now, where employers are like actively looking for candidates that are just not out there, um, it takes us a deeper dive to really understand a candidate. 
And so what we focus on is fit. If you can fit the culture, if you embody the company values, if you've got the approach to clients or customers that the company, you know, values, anything is trainable, right? Whether it takes money, time or effort, anything is trainable as a skill. Um, And so you obviously want to find a good hybrid of both. Um, But if it comes down to skill or fit, I always go fit because that will kind that will not guarantee, but pretty close to guarantee longevity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In, this, in this day and age, is there any benefit of a person walking into a company and dropping off a hard copy of a resume? I can't say no. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I've received a couple in the last few weeks, um, and I think it just depends on the generation of that individual and what they're used to and what they value. Um, I get some students calling saying, can I come bring it in? I'd like to meet you. Um, and I get some that just submit a resume. So Um, I can't say that it's not valued, but I wouldn't say that it's as valued as it was in the past, um, just from my experience. So would you say there are some key things that pop out that catches your eye or gets noticed when it comes to resume reviews? Um, I mean, I prefer a concise resume. I mean, it it should speak to the skill sets that you've got and some key accomplishments that you've had. Um, so if you've just got, I've worked at company A, company B, company C, here are my dates, I'd say that's a little lacking. Um, it doesn't mean that you won't go forward, but it just doesn't give the recruiter or hiring manager enough of a lens to really assess you as a candidate. So if others rise above that, you may fall short on the short list. Um, but then I've also seen resumes that are eight, nine, 10 pages, and it's a story, right? It's, I worked at Involvi and and literally paragraphs of, I started my career at this and da, 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 da. And that to me loses, I mean, we lose interest, not interest, but you know, it, it's hard to get through that and pull out the nuggets of what skills and ability. So when I talk to people about revamping their resume, it's more about, I worked at Involvi and then, you know, depending on how long you work there, a couple key bullet points of your accomplishments, whether it's increased revenue by this and this or increased sales or streamlined these processes, reduced costs, Um, anything that impacts the operations of a business that you impacted is definitely worth selling. Um, And don't overstate it. Don't fabricate it because it will come through eventually. Um, But it is really good. It's it's a little time for you to very humbly promote yourself. And I, I would encourage people to take advantage of that. Okay, so people got past that first stage of getting a call at least. Yep. Do you have any any tips or some advice for people to prepare for an interview? Yeah, I think um, a couple things, and I've been doing a lot of interviews this week and last week, so this is really fresh in my mind. Um, you know, number one, with the with the economy that we're at right now, with mostly work from home or virtual interviews, especially for the first interview. Um, excuse me, I would make sure a you've got really good bandwidth on your zoom or your teams or whatever online platform you're using for video, I would make sure that you are connected to a hard line instead of Wi Fi because Wi Fi will always be glitchy, um, and won't put your best foot forward and then I would really look at your surroundings and see, you know what people are looking at you and I both have virtual backgrounds yours better than mine because my hand is going in and out. Um, but you know, if, if you're sitting in your kitchen or you're sitting somewhere, you know, make sure there's no distractions, make sure you're putting your best foot forward um, and make sure that your 
clothed appropriately and fully clothed if it's a virtual interview, because believe it or not, I've seen some things I don't want to see that people don't think we can see. Um, Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've, we've got lots of stories in HR, which makes it a lot of fun. Um, But in terms of actually preparing for the interview, don't come scripted. Um, if, If you've got you on this screen and the company website here, and I ask you, you know, do you resonate with our values? And you say, yes, well, your first value, da, 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 or even, yes, I resonate with the values of this, this, and this. You know, it needs to be authentic. You need to show your, your true self, because if you do, you will either get the job to be your true self, or you won't get the job, and that means it wasn't a good fit. So don't try and be somebody you're not or somebody you think we should be, because it may come out eventually that you're not a right fit for the organization. And I think it's better for everybody that that's determined before we bring somebody on as opposed to after. So there's a fine line between a person researching and making sure that they fit all those criteria versus uh, recycling, regurgitating, regurgitating (laughs) the words that's actually on the site and saying, oh yeah, I, I kind of fit this mold. Yeah, I mean, I think if you reference, you know, on the website, you mentioned X, Y, Z. Okay, great. But if you're reading the company values or you're reading a paragraph about the company and you're telling us what we think we want to hear, um, that's not great. It also shows that you did a little bit of research and you're referencing it, right? But if you're truly going to invest and you truly want the job, internalize those values, internalize the job description, picture yourself in it, and then speak from the heart. Um, because that will show your dedication and want for the job over just being scripted and, and telling us what you think we want to hear. So here's a scenario. Um, leaders wants to build that culture of being, um, open door policy, wants to be able to work with the employees, work with the team, but there's also a fine line between becoming their friends because sometimes some, some of those members might take advantage of that relationship. Mm-hmm. So let's say the leader comes to you and go, I'm, I'm really struggling with this aspect. I don't want to become that uh, dictator kind of thing, but I still don't want to be pushed over by, by the team members. So what yeah. do you tell them about, what do you tell them to do so that it makes it more effective? Yeah. So I think number one, um, have some genuine care for your employees, right? I, I'll use an example. I used to work in a firm where there was one Um, leader of the call it the administration side of the office and this individual was very cold very business only when at work Uh, we never got a a sense of that person's family life at all and not that you need to but sometimes it makes us human right for you to know that I have a son for you to know that I'm married with you know and you know sometimes it's just nice to have those informal conversations and get to know the humans that you're employing Um, because essentially you're all working towards a common good and you can't do your job without them. So, you know, there's a lot of aspects there that we need to lean in on. Um, but that individual came to work and said, oh, my family and I were going skiing this weekend and we're doing this and we're doing this. And I actually had people come over to my office saying, oh my God, that person is human. I heard something about their personal life. Right. And it automatically allowed them to connect on a different way. And those connections and ties to the business is what develops the culture that makes people not want to leave. I've had people that were really mediocrely happy, if that's a word, in their job, but they loved the team and they loved the company. So they stayed there for life. Um, And the majority of people leave organizations because of their boss and the relationship or lack thereof. Um, And so if we can approach everybody from a humanistic, inclusive standpoint, get to know them a little bit, 
but maybe don't go out for beers every Friday like they do. Maybe go once a month, right? And only stay for one or two and then say, okay, I'm out, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of give and take that you can manage there. Um, and then it's also about being open and saying, you guys, you know, I really want to participate and I'm going to, but you know, I, I have to keep my boundaries. Um, and you can also create things that allow you to host something that provides that and then allows the event to end. So I think there's a way to do it. Um, but being a little bit more humble than being all about business, I think will get a lot of people really far. Good, good tips there. Um, you. For yourself, I know you're, you're, you're a mom, you're a very successful entrepreneur. Um, the big question, balance. How do you find that? <laughs> this week, that's not a good question. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're, we're very humbled by the, the demand we're seeing from our clients. And we're really humbled with the service that we're able to provide on an ongoing basis. And that's created a demand to work with us and have us as your HR. Um, and so we've got a wait list right now, which I'm really proud of, but we're actively recruiting. Um, and so when we, when the business does fall into that crux of a lot of work and not enough people, it falls on the leaders, it falls on the owners to kind of brunt that. And, and that's what we do. Um, and so I'm very lucky to have my husband and my mom and my additional family and friends as ancillary support because they all love my son equally. Um, and I know that if I'm working, it's to provide a better future for him and he's still being loved and cherished and, you know, supported and, um, taught different things, right. To develop. Um, and so work-life balance is a challenge for sure. And so I lean in where I need to, but then you take the time where you need to. So I'm looking forward to once we've hired a couple of team members and they're onboarded and comfortable, then I'll go for an extended little vacation wherever I'm permitted to go. Um, and kind of, and kind of recharge, but it is about the little things and it is about working solidly to get it done and working efficiently. And yeah, it, it, it definitely is a challenge and it, it takes work every day. So you, you talked about challenges a lot. How do you face a challenge? Uh, I face it by, um, understanding my strategic plan, to be honest. Hmm. Um, you know, whether it's a challenge or a new opportunity or a new business line or a new employee, it, we fall back onto what are our values? Where are we going? What are our company goals? And does this align with those? And if it does, bring it on and create a plan and move forward. And if it doesn't, know that you tried and know that you examined it and it's not the right fit. Um, but every challenge is going to present something differently. And it's about prioritizing, number one, understanding if it's working on the business or in the business, mm -hmm. and then figuring out the best people to assign to fix that issue. Mm -hmm. Now, throughout your journey, you've surrounded yourself with loved ones, family, friends, people who support you, uh, mentors, coaches who's guided you along. Uh, what would you say is the most important one message that a coach, a mentor, or a supporter, or a loved one has given you that you've taken on throughout this entire time? Oh, boy. I think we've all heard them, right? Uh, I think there's a lot of those catchphrases that we lean on as leaders and entrepreneurs of fail forward, or um, there is no, no thing as failure. It's called growth. And I think number, number one on top of all of that is figure out what finds, gives you joy um, because it's sure not worth it to sit at a job all day and punch something out just to get a paycheck to then spend no time at home, right? So, I mean, as you know, with your little ones and your family, it's, it's all about finding that joy and making sure that you 
are feeding yourself and that whatever your motivator is for work, that it's being met. Um, and then everything will fall into place. So I, 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 I think it's about joy and I think it's about searching until you find that job that doesn't feel like a job. Mm-hmm. Now, during this period of time, we have the pandemic, we have closures, we have lockdowns, all that kind of stuff. What do you see in the future of either HR or company culture? Um, what's, what's the biggest change that you can kind of kind of crystal ball guess? <laughs> um. I, th- I think in general, the biggest challenge or change is going to be how to manage a remote workforce really effectively and still maintain some sort of culture, whether it's the culture that you had all in person, whether it's a new formed culture that adapts to working remotely. Um, you know, I think we've all been forced into aspects of working remotely in a lot of industries over the last 18 months. Um, and currently, whether you're in home, at work, hybrid, whatever it looks like, you know, there will be some semblance of all of those options as we go forward and organizations will start to fill their groove of what can we accommodate based on our needs of our business. Um, and there's some like retail, hospitality, um, you know, automotives, a lot of professional services. They have clients walking in the door and doing things with them in person. Those you can't work from home, but any other option that might fit with your business, I, I encourage the leaders to consider it because I'm actually seeing people leave long-term organizations where they're mandating in-office and hybrid isn't an option mm-hmm. or work from home isn't an option when the employees know that it is. And so they're looking for that flexibility, Flexibility, excuse me, they're looking for that autonomy, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, <laughs> to still get the job done. Awesome. Um, two more formal questions for you. Uh, the first one is, what, what gets you up in the morning? You wake up, you go, ah, I'm ready to go. So what's that thing that triggers that making you motivated? Um, I, I love now what I do and I haven't been able to say that for years. So knowing that I can come to work with a great, fantastic team that are empowered, that are energized, that we can collaborate to fill the needs that our clients have. I know that's super probably poignant and scripted, but it is the truth. Um, If I've got a bunch of client meetings that day and I know I'm jumping from thing to thing to thing, which is what drives me, um, then I'll know that at the end of the day, I added value somewhere uh, and I positively impacted one of more clients or more. uh, And that lets me have that sense of accomplishment. So um, I think it is just that drive for finding something that you love and knowing that it's worth kissing that little face goodbye at the morning to know that you're, you're adding value at the end of the day. And uh, I think we're all better humans. If what we do during the day powers us to be better humans at night. And then also you have an opportunity to be on this world stage and you want to share one message to for the whole world to remember Ashley by what's that one message. Oh God, you couldn't have sent this to me ahead of time. I could have prepared. Um, <laughs> What's the one message? I think I challenge everybody to look at their business from a different lens. Um, Oftentimes we have conversations and oftentimes we open doors that people didn't know were possible or find solutions for their business that they go, what, that was an option. Um, And so if if you are never the smartest person in the room, as one of our dear friends says, as part of our networking group, and you you know, have the ability to lean on other people and be humble enough to collaborate 
uh, you're going to grow the business to places you didn't even dream, which is where we are. I think if you'd asked me 18 months ago, you know, what does Involvi look like? Or two years ago, I probably would have said, you know what, I really just want one or two clients for myself. I just want to manage them, you know, make sure I'm making an impact and then have some work-life balance. I would have never thought that we're soon to have a team of nine helping 30 clients across Canada and internationally. Um, And we just, we have this ability to grow and it's not stopping. And so, um, yeah, I would just say, challenge yourself to not be the smartest person in the room and think outside the box. Very, very good words to live by. Thanks. Uh, Five more questions. Rapid fire. Bring it on. You're going on a road trip. Okay. You're driving. This is an old car. Okay. We're talking about tech de- uh, de- uh, tape deck. Okay? okay. So there's one song that's stuck on the, there on repeat. What's that one song that you don't mind listening to over and over and over again for hours, hours and hours? Uh, probably Bad Out of Hell by Meatloaf. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, you get to pick three people. It could be anybody. Uh, celebrities, dead or alive, whoever it is on this road, road trip with you, who would those people be? Mm. Oh boy, that's tough. And uh, I'll make it a little bit more difficult, no family though. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I see them lots, so we, we can road trip at time. Let, uh, let's lean into people that I wouldn't get to road trip with. Um, I'd probably say, Elon Musk. I'd probably say Brene Brown. And probably a Bill Gates. Okay. Um, only because I know I have things to learn from each of them in areas of business that I am so just new to, or I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so if nothing else, it would pose for crazy great conversation. Awesome. So yeah. Brene Brown, Elon Musk, and Bill Gates goes, you know what, Ashley, we're going to be spending a lot of time in this car. So we need to get to know each other a little bit more so that I know we're not put into a situation where we're going to hate it. Yeah. So we're going to come over for dinner. What are you going to prepare? Hmm. So assuming no allergies, I think I would, I really enjoy the cocktail appy style as opposed to the big heavy dinner. So I'd probably do like a raclette or a fondue or kind of tapas style, um, everything from charcuterie boards to seafood to some meat. So I'd probably do something like that. Awesome. With some great wine and some cocktails. <laughs> uh, do you have a hidden talent that not many people know about? Uh who we'll all know now. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, yeah, now it's not going to be hidden anymore. Um, I'm sure there's a few that I'm not thinking of, but the one recently that I was sharing with people jokingly is my insane ability to parallel park. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, um, my, my dearest friend is not a great parallel parker, and we had to park on the left side of the road on a one-way the other day, and she tried, and she's like, nope. I'm not even doing this. I'm just going to give up. Here's the keys. <laughs> She's like, I know you can do it. And it was, it was a little bit of a tighter spot, but uh, she has told that story a couple of times just in the last two weeks. So that's the, that's the most current one. Mm. That checks off a box for me. Cause you know, I'm going to have this whole talent show. I have somebody going up doing voiceovers. I got one person going up and dancing and singing. And then I have you parallel park. 
<laughs> so practical, right? Like <laughs> creativity, that side of my brain doesn't always function super well. So yeah, I, uh, I'm pretty practical that way. Awesome. And my last question, what is success like? I got five items here. Give me a number between one to five. Three. One, two, three. So how is success like a truck stop? Hmm. I think six. Uh, so you mean success? How do I relate success at a truck stop? And how would you or at a truck truck stop? Yeah. Yeah. So whether it's a business or an actual truck stop, I think um, the more you get to know the clients and the customers and what they're coming in for and what their actual needs are when they're visiting or they're there, I think is paramount. Um, you know, I was traveling the other day and I first gas station I've seen that had shower stalls and private areas to, you know, change and shower for truck drivers and people that are long haulers. And I, I, I kind of said, this is brilliant. And it's not just a one stall. It was actually meant to be that way. And so when I think about adapting and pivoting and listening to the people that you're bringing in, the more that you can cater within reason to what the demand is the more you're going to create abundance for yourself. So um, yeah, I think, I think that would be how I would define it. Awesome. Well done. Thank you very much. Um, do you have any, any last stories or last words that you would like to share? No, you know, and I think it's just think outside the box and, and HR isn't the stereotype. And if you find the right HR professional, that's got the right mindset and you pair that with the right leadership team, anything is really possible. And, we're having a lot of fun with our clients. So uh, we hope to continue doing that. Awesome. And what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Uh, multiple. So our website is involvey.ca right here on our, our backdrop here. Um, and my contact details are there. Our contact form is there and uh, everything you need. But we're all over social media as well as LinkedIn. So uh, feel free to reach out anyway. Great. Well, thank you very much for your time and sharing your expertise with us and for everybody else. Until next time, she is Ashley McCarty. My name is Fong Chua. Until next time, today is the day to unlock your peak potential. We'll see you later.